We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Another week, another incredible week for combat sports. So much going on. Later in the week, we'll have a boxing show and a pro wrestling show for you guys. A lot happening in boxing this week. Floyd Mayweather has a fight against a YouTuber. Tommy Fury's on that card, so we'll have an entire podcast about that. WWE, we got to recap Crown Jewel that happened last weekend from Saudi Arabia and talk AW and the rest on the wrestling show. If you guys are new here, we obviously talk wrestling, boxing, and MMA, which is our show today. We sprinkle in a little bit of hip-hop and pop culture, anything else happening in the world, but... Make sure you guys come to us for all of your combat sports news. I'm Kel Dansby, the old man Andreas Hale. Hold on. You got a motherfucking coat on. What's I got on? a coat. Look at this. It's a coat. It's leather. It's it, indoors. What? It got zippers on. Why, why do you have a coat on indoors? I just had to show you. You're trolling. I had, to, I had to prove it to the people that I bought the coat. You know, uh, I put it in the group chat. But just in case people did not uh, believe me in there either. Everyone, I have a coat. It has, it has a zipper right here on my chest. They can't even put nothing in there. It's a little pocket. As you don't know what you need. This is the most zippers I ever had on at one time. Got 18 zippers on this coat. It's hot as hell. Leather right now. Uh, it got a little hood on it. Fancy. How's it feel to be a, the owner of a coat? It feels extremely warm. That's one way like, I, I, I really don't need all of these layers right now. It could be because we're in Vegas. It's a little colder in Vegas today. It is. But it's still very warm. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big, I have, I have a big proponent of I only need one part of my body to be warm at a given time. So if I'm wearing pants, I can wear short sleeves. If I'm wearing a hoodie, I can wear shorts. And my body is at perfect temperature. Don't You're look weird. at me like I'm crazy. You're weird. You ever sleep at night and stick one leg out the cover? That doesn't make any sense. It regulates your body temperature. You ever have the heat on, but open the window? No, I'd never do that. Oh, I do. 
<laughs> I mean, my grandma I'm the only sh- one paying extra. Yeah, my grandma would have shot me in the face. My grandma would have. <laughs> she would have shot. She would have shot me. You grown man now. You pay the bills. Yeah, but that's why would I open the window with the heat on? It hits different when the heater is on and you get the fresh, cool breeze. Hits different. You just want to blow out your compression. Like, no, <laughs> that's that's how my body naturally operates. So having pants on right now with the jacket is just overkill. So I'm gonna take off this jacket. But I just had to show you and the people out there. That I do own a jacket. Congratulations. You you did something smart. Yes. Right, we really appreciate it. Dress you. shoes is the next thing on my agenda. Okay. You're um, an adult. Yeah. I bought dressier shoes, though, by the way. But they don't match this jacket. So, lo and behold, I have to get new dress shoes. Um, uh. I, I got a belt. <gasps> I didn't buy one. I found one in my closet. What? How I don't do you know just where find random from. belts? I don't know. I think it might have been my grandfather. I, I have no so, one of his I have last, nowhere to go with that. One of his last gifts to me while he was on this earth was obviously surprise packing his belt. Yeah, he was like, pull, uh, <laughs> pull up your pants, boy. Like, yeah, yeah, so I got a belt that is also leather. I think that's brown, though. The jacket's black. I got to get a different belt. Oh, Jesus. All right. Dude, I'm working on myself, Dre. It's 2022. We're going into 2023. I'm trying. I'm glad you're trying. We really I'm not waiting the DCs anymore. If we go back to this time last year, night and day. Well, definitely that is true. The DCs are dead because Cole killed them. That is true. You made a bet. I blame producer Cole. Yeah, you made a poor bet, and that's how we got there. But you bought a coat on your own volition. That's incredible. I did. I was just randomly in a store. I was like, you know what? I'm buying this, and it was really only because I was going to London for the Tyson Fury fight, which I'm not even going anymore. Now I'm stuck with the coat. Why aren't you going anymore? It's uh, I'm not traveling overseas currently. Because it's too long to leave, like, my wife, and she's been, like, in and out of hospital. Uh, so, in case some shit happens, I can't get back from overseas that No, quick. you can't. No, no. I can go to, like, New York, so I'm going to the TO fight, or I can do, like, other things. Because that's, like, a quick thing. But having to use my passport, get through customs, it just seemed like it's too far in case of emergency. Well. So, I was like, all right, I'm stateside. I am 50-50 on bringing this coat to New York. 50-50. 50-50. You're going in December. In December. Even though, like, January, February is colder yes. than December. Yes. Well, take a coat. Congratulations. I might. You know, go around the city in a coat, I guess. It, it's a change of pace. I'll let you know how it is. Yeah, I'll you, let you know if it's better. Give me the play-by-play. But the real New York experience really ain't. Like, I could rock, like, a bubble vest with a hoodie under and be perfectly fine in all right. But I, I guess I'm elevated past that in, in my in my age bracket. Sure. Whatever you trying, say. Trying to be grown around here. Yeah, wear a bubble vest in 2022 have, with a hood on it. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, it looks better than you may may assume. You haven't been... Listen, when you used to live in New York, you probably wore... I did not have a bubble thing. vest. I did not. You had a jacket? Yes, of course I did. I had a pea coat. I had a coat. Oh, you had a pea coat. We on different levels of shit. You yes, were, we are. You but... were BET bougie when you lived in New York. With a pea coat. Yes, pea coats are dope. Looking like Joe Budden. Sure. Probably just, just a number sweats in a pea coat. And a lot of people for wearing a pea coat. It's just not going to work. Before your time, though. I mean, now people wear pea coats. Yes. But you wore pea coats where the only time people wore pea coats were like Sex in the City and shit. Mm-hmm. No one wore a pea coat. You were, you were out there dressing like Samantha. It's anyway. Oh, well, let's talk about this damn show. <laughs> we got a big card at Madison Square Garden coming up. I don't want to talk about your damn Talk coats. about New York. So, I'm bringing this all full circle, UFC 281 in New York. 70 degrees out. You know what the hell you don't need? A coat. 
Think it's going to rain. Need an umbrella. Yeah. Don't need a coat. But huge card. UFC always goes all out for these cards. Yeah. Am I weird for saying this one feels normal? Like, it ain't BMF title. That's the, I mean, whatever. It felt big. We all knew. I mean, they had The Rock come out for a fictional yeah. title. So. <laughs> sure, all right. A fictional title still floating around. Or Mazadal still work. Like, where's that shit out? Shouldn't. But. It, it ended up on AEW last year. It did. It did. Like, it was a thing. So we had the BMF title. Um, I believe we had Connor. We had Connor versus Eddie Alvarez. Yes, uh, Connor winning a title. Damn near Connor's last real win. I'm not counting Cowboy. Who? Because, let me see. Gaethje fought Chandler at the Garden. Who was the main event that night? For Gaethje Chandler. That's definitely not the main event. No, it wasn't. But that was the we because we were at Canelo that night, I believe. Was, was that DC versus Black Beast? Mm, I hope not. No, no, no. UFC two sixty eight would be the card. I so. mean, the Gardens had big cards, yeah. and I feel like this is a this is a big card. This is probably oh, sorry, that was Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington. Ah, see, big card. We and we had that a Canelo fight that night. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, it was huge. Garden yeah. is always putting together huge cards. I feel like this is a big card. Alex Pereira versus Israel Adesanya is a huge fight in terms of the middleweight division, in terms of the history between Adesanya and Pereira. You have... No casuals, no Pereira. They don't need to. They know Adesanya. Okay. And, and the fact... It's a lot of explaining, like, yo, this is the only guy to really, like, knock his block. I mean, it's a, 110 fights. Only one person is knocked out. It is Israel Adesanya. It's Alex Pereira. That's your main event. We have Carlos Barza and Zhang Willie in the co-main. Then you have Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier in a three-round banger. We have Frankie Edgar's retirement fight. And we open, I think, Dan Hooker. So City Kickboxing is heavy on this card. Uh, the return of Dominic Reyes is on this card. Uh, Meatball Molly McCann versus Aaron Blanchfield, which is actually a hell of a fight. Great They, fight. they did no favors for Molly McCann fighting Aaron Blanchfield. That, no. is, not, that is not doing her any favors. Um, this card, this is a load. Like, you could take the pay-per-view portion of this card and just chop it off. This card's still better than the card we just had this weekend. Yeah, but that was like an Apex. Yeah, I'm just saying, the prelims are better than what they showed, what they had with Fight Night. Uh, Marina Hyrie is getting her block knocked off. Nobody saw that coming against Amanda Lemos. No. Um, That combo was impeccable. Yeah, so this is a, this is a huge card, chock full with storylines, different narratives. Different angles. I'm, I'm, I'm big on this. This card in Abu Dhabi just basically ate up the UFC. So now there's like nothing left. Yeah, I mean until December, and I mean even that card 282 was cool. Yeah, it would've been better with John Jones, right? With Yuri and Jan, but it's like this garden. You have two title fights and Chandler and Poirier, and Frank. Look. People that's, are really hype over Chandler and Porter. That's a huge fight. That's a fan-friendly fight. Those guys are going to go out there and try to kill each other. Yeah, that. I mean, that could have been a title fight like a year ago. Yeah, so, I mean, these. We'll talk that about division that, moves fast, man. We'll talk about that more in depth because now, I don't know what the winner gets. Like, if you get Islam, do you really want it? I guess. In theory, you say, "Yeah, I want a title fight," but nobody wants to fight that guy. No, because everyone felt a beaver already. Yeah, it's, it's like, like that's not. Nah, fun. I don't want to fuck with that guy. So, you, so that fight is big. I mean, and I does wanna... that make money? That's the next thing with Islam. Well, it depends. Does it make money? Because I, I rather fight like a Gaethje or wait for like a Connor to come back. Well, nobody Connor really, looks two hundred pounds. Connor's huge. He has no beard anymore. Whatever he's taken has made him lose facial hair. Yes, he looks like bad. the monkey on his chest shaved. That's what Connor <laughs> looks like now. 
fuck yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It does. Um, but I, I, I want to start because UFC 281 starts with a man that once upon a time on this podcast said this man did nothing for you. Frankie Edgar's retirement. Yes, sir. Frankie Edgar. I respect the legend that is Frankie Edgar. You have to, man. The guy's fought pretty he, much anybody. Listen. He does a little for him. He should do more for <laughs> you because he was fighting in a weight class he had no business being in as a yes. lightweight. Yes. He was always a featherweight or a bantamweight. They had neither of those divisions. He fought before there were women in the UFC. Like, the motherfucker could have fought in black and white. That's how long <laughs> Frankie Edgar's been fighting. He fought Jim, uh, Jim Miller in his, like, sixth pro fight. Yep. He fought Gray Maynard. Gray Maynard's no longer here. He's, he completely annihilated BJ Penn. No longer fighting. You said no longer here. Like, the man Well, he hasn't, he hasn't gone to the nether world. He, just, <laughs> like, he got knocked into the nether world. Yeah. Um, but Frankie Edgar's done pretty much everything. And he's having his final fight essentially in his backyard of New York. Do you know who his first UFC fight was? I do not remember. Oh, his first UFC fight was Tyson Griffin. It and was. Tyson Griffin had him, I believe, in a knee bar and deep danger in, the, in that fight. And Frankie won. And people were like, who the fuck is Frankie Edgar? Yeah. And from that point on, Frankie just started beating ass. Crazy. He was so February small. February 2007. Yeah. He was so small when he fought Gray Maynard because Gray Maynard was essentially like a middleweight in a lightweight body. The size difference was insane. Gray Maynard pinballed that man all over the octagon, and Frankie Edgar still hung around and got a draw in the first fight, and then knocked him senseless in this, in this rematch. Frankie Edgar has, has done it all. Ago, man. My, my daughter's a high school junior. She was just born. That, Frankie Edgar started And he's fighting. still here. But more importantly, this is the last time, and it's only right they're doing this in New York. We're going to get the kick in the door entrance one last time. I'll tell you this much. I didn't once famously or infamously say Frank Hager doesn't do it for me. It was like episode three of this podcast eight years ago. Back when you were, I don't know. I was a young lad. Uh, He's still not my favorite fighter. Whatever. But that's a top five entrance. Shit, it might be number one. No. Who's got the best entrance? Without like theatrics and everything involved. Best walkout. Anderson Silva? I would take kick in the door. And I love Anderson Silva. But when he switched to DMX, not pre DMX. Yeah, no, no, no. We, um, and then Uriah Faber. I mean, California Love California is great. California Love, when that shit hit, but Faber was good. Dog. I, oh, my God. I, California Love was big. I actually went to a WEC fight I covered in Sacramento when Faber, I can't remember who the hell he was fighting. Might have been Brian Bowles. I can't remember. But he came, he came out and the crowd just erupted. Insane. But kicking the door, the way that shit sounds. Biggie, burn, burn, burn. and then he takes off running to the octagon. <laughs> Come on, man. I can't wait to see it. It's, good I mean, it's top five. It's definitely, I mean, Connor is iconic. Yeah, Connor um, is iconic. I just, I'm Ronda. just, Ronda. I'm partial to Biggie, all right? Yeah. And, it's, mean, and, yeah. and it's in New York. He's fighting in New York. Even though yeah. Frankie's from Tom's River, he's fighting in New York. It's his final fight. The man's had a Hall of Fame career. He's fought pretty much anybody they put in front of him. The only person they didn't put in front of him was Conor McGregor. Yep. Conor McGregor was like one, two, skip a few, and got a title fight. Which is fine, whatever. He didn't fight Frank Yeager, but Frankie has done everything. A tremendous UFC career. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think he, he's, he's had a tremendous, tremendous career. Um, I'd like to see him win on the way out. Well, yeah, I mean, of course we'd like to see him win. It's not set up for him to win because they didn't give him a soft touch by any means, but I'd like to see him win. Yeah, I mean, we'll go up and down and give our predictions in a little bit. But that was a, the, one of the first things that stuck out to me is, like, it's the fourth fight. It's the first, second fight on the main card. Yeah. It's Frank Yeager's final fight. The man's done it all. I don't know what he does next after this, but hopefully he retires the right way. 
hopefully he doesn't pull a BJ Penn and fights like seven more times and nah. just continues <laughs> to lose. Hopefully Frankie, win or lose, just is like, I'm good. I've done it all. I think he has a podcast. I with mean, like uh, some dude from Jersey Shore. Sure, okay, whatever. Yeah. I just... Not I, one of the main guys. He dated like J-Wow. J-Wow's ex-husband. Frankie have like a podcast. I don't know. He's got a podcast. It'll probably be a train. That almost sounds appropriate, being from Jersey. Oh, he's... If you want someone that's from Jersey, Jer- that's Frankie. Yeah. Like, he's still got the, the, I'm kind of a Jersey Shore kid haircut. He does. He does. So, that's right. what I want to start off with Frankie. But we, we can go and talk about the storylines on this card. and Yeah. let's. Where do you want to start? Let's clear out the undercard and then talk storylines for the main card. So, undercard, some good fights. Carolina Kovacavich is on the early prelims. Crazy how she's falling. Yeah. Like, she was she top was, of the division. She was title contend, contender, and then it just kind of the wheels fell off, man. The wheels fell off, and she's trying to get it back together. Uh, and then we look at Carla Esparza, who is the champ. Is the champ. Like, and they were both top five talents when the division first started. You didn't even mention Carla Esparza is our guest today. Yes, Carla's coming up. The champ. Um, I told you last week I'm picking against her. No matter what she says in this interview, I'm yeah, picking against her. Uh, Whaley Zhang is just, it's just a little bit too much for her. But yet the fact remains, like you just mentioned, like Carlos Sparza was the inaugural strawweight champion. And then you look years down the line, it's 2022, and she won a fight that was basically the Diddy meme where he's staring against like, him. The dude staring. That was the fight. That was the fight with her and Rose. And she won the staring contest. And now she's the champ again. But good for her. A win is a win. That's sure. Win is a win. She's the biggest underdog on the main card, and she's the champ. I didn't crunch the numbers on this one. She's not the biggest. On the main card, she's the biggest. Yeah, player. but she's not the biggest, uh, like, champion underdog. The ever. biggest champion underdog in a fight that never happened was Nico Montano versus Valentina Shevchenko. Oh, Nico never fought again. No, she, they didn't fight. She missed weight. Nico Montano was a plus 800 as the champion. <laughs> That was like, why did you even show up? And she was like, you know what? I'm not going to show up. And she didn't show up. Other champions that were huge underdogs, like Jan Blakovich was like a plus 225 against Israel Asanya. Uh, but granted, Israel was on a roll. And he was also a champion. So that's- Exactly. Um, I believe Ronda was a pretty... When she fought Amanda Nunez, Amanda was a champion. I believe she was like a plus 180. And obviously... I'm stealing G- money. I should put my house on that. GSP versus Matt Sarah too. Sarah, that like he was nobody. Yeah. Cared. At that point, everybody was like, "You just borrow the title, give it back." But there, there aren't too many huge underdogs that are champions. You gotta look into that. Yeah, she, that's crazy. She's a big underdog, and rightfully so. Like if you look at her last few fights, the Rose fight was a split decision. Like she's won. She had uh, Jan in the fight before Rose. She knocked her out. Her other Alexa Grasso. They were all split decisions and one majority decision. So yeah, she's heading into a fight with a murderer. Yeah. Who is has a video of her picking up Francis and Ghana? What, th- what do you think she's gonna do to Carlos Sparza? Easily, like he's nothing over her head. Like she was Daniel Cormier. That it, it's a tough, tough fight for Carlos. Francis looks healthy, by the way. He does. He looks like. I mean, you know, if, if he's back, he's back. But yeah, I mean, hey, good luck, Carlos. She'll be a guest on the show. We'll talk to her about yep. this fight, being the underdog, so on and so forth. But yeah, damn, this is the only time. That's why I'm picking against our guest. Picked against our guest last week. Who? 
No, I didn't. Daniel Rodriguez. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah, he lost too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on the winning streak. The show is not. That's how this show Damn Neil Magny. Yeah. Wrapped him up like a pretzel. I told you. Jack of all trades, master none. He goes to the ground. He does everything well, just not great. And he fought Daniel Rodriguez, who shouldn't have beat the leech. And, you know, MMA guys had their way. (laughs) The ultimate gatekeeper. Yeah. You have to beat Neil before you can be a contender. Yep. If you show up and be like, I'm a contender, and Neil's like, no, you're not until you fight me. It's like, fuck. Get it's like that back. sub-level boss that you got to fight. <laughs> it ain't the final boss, but it's like a, the medium boss. Mm-hmm. He's got like, a, he still has a life meter on, like, like not, not like the other bad guys. Like Tyson punch Yeah, like, a, you know, he's like Soto Popinski or some shit like that. <laughs> and then you, you beat him up and then you go, all right, cool. Now you're a contender. But if you don't beat him, back, back in line, buddy. You're not real. <laughs> and then you mentioned it. Molly McCann, Aaron Blanchfield. Oh, I would not oh. want to fight Aaron Blanchfield. Boy, I tell you, they didn't. The meatball is going to be a huge favorite. She's got a huge response because she usually fights on Patty's cards. Yep. But now she's fighting Aaron Blanchfield in a fight. Aaron has mowed down everybody. And Aaron's so young, like 23. This is one of those, like, we going to get a star. Well, this is one of those things that kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier fighting very early in their careers. Max Connor. Yeah, and then they, they look at look ahead and it's like, oh, they'll probably meet again. Yep. I don't know if Molly McCann will be that good. She's got two spinning back elbow finishes. Aaron Blanchfield's definitely not falling for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so just spamming one finisher. Yeah, you know, you play a video game, you gotta move, like you throw fireballs all the time. Molly McCann was like, I'm gonna get you with this fireball. That's me in strike in Street Fighter using the same three moves. See? You're just gonna be mad at me. But I think that that's a great fight. If I have to pick, I'm picking Aaron Blanchfield. I just, <laughs> meatball, I love her, but fuck, man, they did you no favors. That's it. Ugh. That going to be one hell of a fight, though. Could be. Those are two where I'd, I don't see it going to the judges. Like, I, I think between the spinny shit for Molly McCann and Aaron Blanchfield, if it touches the ground. It's I don't think there's, I think I started computing. I was like, there might be a lot of finishes on this card. It sets up well. Yeah. Um. Man, Dominic Reyes, Ryan Spann. Boy. Dominic Reyes needs to go out. He needs not oh, just to win. He needs to finish. Well, he's lost three in a row. Yep. So he lost to John Jones in a fight that most people thought he won. He couldn't get it out of his head. It lived in his head. But they did him no favors because look who he fought next. He had to fight Yuri. Yep. All bad. So he's fighting Ryan Spann in a fight that's very winnable for him. But he's going to have to prove himself. Because this was a guy who we once said is the future of the light heavyweight division. We also said, once John Jones leaves, it's his division. Unfortunately, yep. John Jones was still there. He wasn't moved out of the house yet. He was packing his shit. <laughs> Dominic Reyes, he was like, you're here too soon, buddy. Let me get you out of here real yep. quick. But he barely beat Dominic Reyes. Sometimes losses crush a confidence, someone's confidence. I feel like for Reyes, it was all mental. But like I said, it wasn't like the UFC was like, we're going to give you a soft touch. It's like, here, fight Yuri Prohoshka next. What? Like, wait, this guy, this guy with the man butt? Yeah, I ain't fighting that fucking <laughs> Yo, did you see that Yuri Prohaska, like, he locks himself in a dark room and doesn't drink water and shit? Like, said that shit on the aerial show? Casual a, as well. He's a maniac. He's like, yeah, not like three days. No water, no nothing. Just lock myself in the dark. Yeah, just me and my demons. Uh, what? <laughs> Sir, I'm not fighting you. <laughs> not fighting him at all. Glover's at home like, do I really need this last one? Like, Hey, I mean, he, it was... It, Glover thought he had, but again, now I understand how Yuri... They didn't tap out. He didn't give up. Like, fucker, he's in tune with his demon. Yo, his brain was literally like, you've been in a dark room for three days. No it's a Malachi water. Black type shit. Yeah, he was like, oh, so this, this little choke here, you're fine. You're okay. 
easy. Incredible. It's like, I live in this. Yeah, crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy. Really like a ninja. But Dominic Reyes desperately needs this win. He's not even the main event of the prelims. No, Brad Riddle um, versus Moicano. Look, City Kickboxing is heavy on this card. Adesanya, Brad Riddell. Uh, I think the, I forgot who's opening the card, but he's also part of City Kickboxing. They have a huge presence on this card. Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker. But there's somebody else on this opening. The very first fight in the prelims. Uh, Oldberg, I believe his name is. Yes, Carlos Oldberg. Carlos Oldberg, he's also from City Kickboxing. So they have a huge presence on this card. Um, but Brad Riddell and Moicano should be a great fight. Like, this is a, a pretty loaded prelim. This is a car where I would say, if you're listening to this show and if you're going like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to stop listening to our podcast. Because what are you watching if you're not watching this car? <laughs> yeah, no, you don't like MMA. No, you just don't like MMA. This has a little something for everybody. And that's just the fucking prelims. Yeah. I mean, always good to have good free fights. Yeah. Leading into the main card, Dan Hooker, Claudio Puez. Dan Hooker can't catch a break. No, and he's not going to catch a break in this fight either. No, like... Back to lightweight for him. Failed experiment. Featherweight. Just didn't work out. Claudio is, again, another young up-and-coming. Like, when did he turn Dan Hooker into the gatekeeper? Now? Because, look, look, Claudio Poez is, he's won five in a row. I believe yeah. he's two of his last three are submissions. Sub-Clay Guida. Yeah, and you're fighting Dan Hooker, who he's got to stand up to win the fight. Mm -hmm. When he fought Islam, Islam mowed him down. Like, so you, this is a complete contrast of styles. And I feel like, as much as I like Dan Hooker, He's not the same even from the Poirier fight. He hasn't been the same fighter, the Chandler fight. He's just not the same took guy. took a lot on short notice and like... It ain't conducive to your future. And I think, uh, I think he's going to get subbed in this fight. I think we're starting off the fight, this card, with a submission somewhere. I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to be early. We'll see how much resistance Dan Hooker puts up, but I think he gets subbed. Yeah, I think Dan Hooker's still good on his feet. He is. I, I think um, he has an advantage in this fight. I just think eventually it hits the ground. Yes, eventually the distance and he's will be, be like, close. Damn it! Yeah, he, I made a mistake. I, and it's the but the mistake is going to come. That's one thing. When the wheels fall off, it's not necessarily that you're just horrible all the time. It's that you make a mistake in every fight. Yeah, and Quayle is gonna he's gonna sub him. I don't know when it's gonna happen. But he's gonna sub him. That's a good bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Claudio by sub. It's a good, good even little line to put. Nice little way to get a little change on that. Frankie Edgar, Chris Gutierrez next. Look, Gutierrez has won three or four in a row without looking. It's not an easy matchup. I know a lot of people, when this fight was announced, they were like, oh, why isn't Frankie Edgar fighting like a, a big name? For what? He's lost a few in a row. He should fight the levelless competition. I mean, what are you going to do out there? Just go and get him smoked? We don't want to see that. Cheeto Vera no, but kicked they, him in the face. They could have. <laughs> Cheeto's been wrecking. Like, That's what I'm saying. No, but they could have put him against like. Who? For what? I know another old guy who's on his way out. Like who? Exactly. So Gutierrez, I, I think Frank Gutierrez is going to pull this out by decision. I think this will be the only, I'm saying this now, this will be the only decision that I'm predicting on the main card. Okay. I mean, is Clay Guida still around? Yes. Yeah, he could have given him Clay. Yeah. Gutierrez, because if Gutierrez wins, it's a bump for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're feeding, the, go out on your shield. Right? Yeah, but I think Frankie is still... He's still Frankie to a degree. He's a little bit more susceptible to getting hit. His chin's not as strong as it was he before. He looked good against Cheeto. He did, and then he so got he caught. he did it. And Frankie, God, that knockout is... Like, 
vicious. Frankie and Tony Ferguson have had the same fall. At least, yeah, at least Frankie has shit. Yeah. But I think Frankie's a little bit slower, and I think his style, the way he fights, I think he'll be able to find a way to win a split decision. Yeah, I'm taking Frankie. There you go. Listen, just because the guy didn't do it for me doesn't mean I want to see him go out with a loss. So give me Frankie to win. I just want to see the crowd go crazy. I want to see the good moment. I I don't want to see the cowboy Cerrone like you got wrecked. You put the gloves down. Everyone's crying. Nah, let's let's go out. Have some fun. Play Biggie 18 times on loop. Yeah, just fight. Until the man leaves the octagon. So that's good. If he wins, his ass still got to go. No, he's retired. He says he's done. I don't want to win. If he goes out there and gets a first round knockout. No, I, yeah, I don't want him to. No reverse it. No. You go out on top. Yeah, you'd be like, I still got it. No, you don't, sir. Nah, you, you, you pay Manning. Yeah. And you, you go when you go. Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. Where it's kind of beef, but it's like fake beef. It's I feel not. like they like each other they deep do, down. They do. And this Chandler is like, likes the hot sauce a lot. Yeah, this is the last fight we'll talk about before we go to break. Because I, I got a lot to say about the main event. And I also want to talk about Sean O'Malley talking about an interim title fight. I, I see what O'Malley's doing. We'll talk about that after the break. Oh, Carla's not on yet. We'll roll through it. All right. So, yeah, these two don't have beef. They're too much alike. They always come to fight. They're very respected in the MMA community. Um, they're both... Dustin Poirier has never lost two fights in a row. Never. Wow. Never lost two fights in a row. Chandler's actually lost three fights in a row. Two to Will Brooks, and I forgot who it was before or after that. UFC debut he lost? Yeah. And then went on. He, will, he lost two fights in a row there, too. And he's, then he beat Tony Ferguson. But this fight is a fight the fans want. My question is, who needs the spawn? Poirier or Chandler? Poirier. I, I don't think Chandler ever gets back up to the title picture. I, I, don't, I don't see him there. Like, he's just an exciting fight guy. Like, I, I don't think as good as Justin Gaethje is ever gets to that title picture. They're just very exciting guys that'll ride that out for another four or five years. And young kids will come up and they'll maybe knock off one prospect, but they'll probably get knocked out a few times or go to a decision and get work. Like, but you're always happy watching them. You're always comfortable watching them fight. They always put on a good show. Um, Poirier, I think, Poirier got one. He got one run in him. Poirier Islam is, you got some teeth there, because Poirier is a star. And for any reason, there's always another Conor McGregor. So there's, there's something there for him as long as he doesn't lose and he keeps some of that star power. I disagree. Michael Chandler needs this a lot more than Dustin Poirier. Here's why. Dustin Poirier is a made man. No matter what happens, he's good. He's had three fights with Conor. He's made a lot of money. Yep. He's been the interim lightweight champion. He's, if he loses, it doesn't really matter. As for Michael Chandler, the, the casual UFC fan doesn't really know who he is. And when they seen him, that's all got knocked. He got knocked out. He beat Dan Hooker. Yep. And then he lost Justin Gaethje. He lost Charles Oliveira. And then he beat Tony Ferguson. He's still chasing a Conor McGregor fight. You know what's funny? <laughs> you know, how well is your Conor McGregor going to fight? What was that, last year? He might not fight this year. No, he might like, not he ever might fight again. 2023, he is huge. Like, he's filming whatever movie, and they got him on the Rocks diet. Yeah. And he's just He's like, built like an action hero. He's, it's crazy. He's built like everyone else he used to make fun of. Yeah. And be like, yo, I'm, they're just gassed up big balloon guys. They have no flexibility. I'm going to spark them. And he did because they, they couldn't. 
Right. But now he built just like one of them. Like, sir, you ain't never getting back to what you were because you were built off of being anti this. That man's quads are as big as him at 145. But Chandler needs this. If Chandler loses, then it's like you never were. Nobody cares about the Bellator Championship. Like, you haven't had your Conor McGregor fights. When I talked to Dustin Poirier last week, Dustin basically said, yeah, my life changed after the Conor fights. Like, I still love fighting, but I would be lying to you if I didn't say, you know, financially everything changed. Chandler, as much as he's defended the UFC pay scale, he hasn't had his Conor McGregor moment. No. And he's a fun fight, but you don't want to show up being just a fun guy. (laughs) <laughs> like, you don't want to be the, hey, let's have fun. Let's throw Michael Chandler on there to just, you know, either get beat up or beat somebody up. Yes, Dustin Poirier could fight Islam, but neither of us believe that anybody's beating Islam outside of Okanowski right now. It's the only real test for him. Yeah. You look up and down the lightweight division, Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, Daniel Darius, who's like in no man's land because nobody yeah, even cares to fight him. Grapple. Yeah, but nobody even cares to fight him. We're like, who cares? But everybody else is kind of, Fought each other, except for Darius. But Chandler's the one guy who's sitting there and is going, I want the Conor McGregor fight. He keeps saying it. You have to be Dustin Poirier to get there. Otherwise, you lose. You might be Darius's next opponent. Oh, and then he goes gatekeeper, champ? Yeah, because it's, it's done. He's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. He can't go 2-3. and three. Could. But it, it'll hurt him. Poirier can lose this fight and be like, eh, I'm rich, bitch. And just kind of walk off. I'm, I got hot sauce to sell. Yeah, but he can make more money by winning. Yeah, but look. Chandler, I think, has a cap. If, unless he gets the Connor fight, there's a cap on what he There's can. a cap on Poirier. There's not much further he can go. He can, get an, he can earn another title shot. So Chandler can, too. If Chandler wins, if Chandler were to beat Dustin Poirier, who's in his way? I mean, I don't know. I guess... The only person that's left is Justin Gaethje, and Justin Gaethje beat him. Yeah, you got to run something back. It have to it, Oliveira. That's Oliveira versus Chandler. They've already fought. Yeah, but as like a number one, like you'd run that back. But, I, but that's what I'm saying. Like it, it'd be a rematch. He's literally like one fight away from being right back in the mix. Whole division. <laughs> they are, but but Poirier's in a situation where it's like if he loses, I don't think it's like soul crushing. Poirier has enough star power. He'll be fine. Where. It makes sense for him to fight Islam. Yeah, but he'll be fine. No matter what happens, he's fine. Chandler's not fine. He's not. He's done so much in Bellator, but the casual UFC fans like, I don't care. I don't watch that shit. Chandler wins. He's come back Black History. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right on time for February. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he, this back. I think he needs this more. Both of them told me. They was like, I don't see any way this fight goes to distance. Like, Dustin was I like, it's it was possible. Fine. I do, too. Because three, it could go the distance. Yeah. Three. But I got to make a prediction. Dustin Poirier is knocking out Michael Chandler. Or subbing him. I think Poirier is too tall, too long, too refined in his striking. Chandler's very, I know what he's going to do. Mm. I think Dustin Poirier is one of the most refined Michigan martial arts artists out there. He just, you know, ran to a buzzsaw with, Michael, uh, with Charles Oliveira and Khabib, right? I, I, Chandler's going to fight. He's going to fight the way he fights. But his face is going to run into Poirier's fist, and he's going to get knocked out or so. Shit. Um, yeah, give me Dustin. I wanted to pick an upset somewhere here, but give me Dustin. I can't do it. I think Dustin wins. And I'll take it by a decision just because it's three rounds. Exciting round. But people say what I just said. Man, I wish this was five. 
it's 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 a fan favorite fight. It's what everybody wants to see. You would like to see it go twenty five minutes. It should be for the BMF title. These two actually deserve it because of the way that they fight. Yes, and they're good. Not Jorge Masvidal. No, God. And then we have Carla Esparza, a guest here in a little while, versus Weili Zhang. I already told you. There's, I see no path to victory for Carla. Not a single way. I don't think Weili is going to be as timid no, as absolutely we saw not. from her. Dude, she's going to look at Carla like food. She's coming at her like a buzz. Like she did Jessica Andrade. Yep. Trying to go right through her. Like, Esparza is the biggest underdog in the main card. And when the line opened, she was only like a plus 130. And people was like, woo. And they bet that bitch up. <laughs> but I think she should be even a bigger underdog than she is right now. Because I honestly, tell me, how does she win this fight? Give me a path. Wrestle. That's it. But I don't know if you can do that for 25. Against Whaley, do you see the lower half of her body? Who's out wrestling her? I would say Whaley now, as presently constructed, has a lot of muscle mass. If you, to me, if you take a person like that in deep water, you can maybe tire them out. I, I don't see it. But you got it. The problem with wrestling is, and like, we see this with Habib and crew and Islam and everyone. They do a good job of every single round, they'll get their person down. They drag them down. It, it's ugly. Put them against the cage, drag their legs out. They're on the ground. I don't know if Carla can do that five times. No. So if you're standing up with Wei Li Zhang for one round, you're in trouble. Dude, Willie Zane got head kicked to hell by Rose, right? Yes. But there was a threat there for the head kick. Yep. Carla poses no threat standing up. Zero. So in order for Carla to shoot for the takedown, she has to almost telegraph it. Because how can she hide it? Yep. She could try to hide it with strikes, but I don't think it's going to work. And if she does get her hands on Wei Li, I don't know if she can take that. Again, if you look at Wei Li Zhang's base, her hips, her thighs, her legs, she's very stout. She's yeah. like a tree. If you can't take her down, you're just going to get beat up. And it's five rounds of this? Yeah. Just going to try it and, and got, got beat up. murdered. <laughs> she got murdered by her. So I, I don't see. And I mean, Yana and, and Jason got sent to hell in retirement by Willie Zahn. I don't see any way Carla wins this. She's getting stopped in this fight. Yeah. She's going to get beat up. Yeah. I'll say. Third round? TKO. Third, if it's fourth, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if she, if it was still hanging around, it's because her wrestling. Her face will look ugly. If, if yeah, but she's getting stopped somewhere between three and four. It'll be a TKO. Yeah. See, Whaley's just too strong. I agree. That sucks. Maybe Carla talked me out of it when we speak to her. But nah, there's nothing she could say. She talked me into a decision. Decision loss. I don't think. Yeah, decision <laughs> loss. <laughs> that's a, that's a, like, what good is that? But, but right it, now, I'm going Whaley. There's just, I, I don't see a path to victory. When Holly Holm beat Ronda Rousey, even though I thought Ronda was going to win, I saw a path. I was like, well, if Holly's striking, whether she could beat her, right? With trying to think of other underdogs, there's always a path that I can see and be like, well, if this happens, I don't see it. I'm looking at Carla. I was like, I just can't. You're not strong enough. Your striking's not good enough. What are you going to do? I don't see it. It's not really a natural answer to that puzzle. And then uh, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. Alex beat Israel twice, once by decision, which was kind of up in there, um, close decision, and then knocked Israel out in a fight where Israel was kind of in control, got caught, yep. sparked him out quick. Not only do I think Israel Adesanya wins this fight, 
I think he knocks Alex out. I think this is his statement. This is a legacy-defining moment for Israel Asanya. And this could go the complete opposite way, by the way. Because yeah. Alex's power is no joke. Well, so, there, you know, for the past few fights, we've listened to people complain about Israel Asanya fights. Ah, he's points fighting. But I've said this a billion times. Izzy gives you what you give him. So, he was disappointed in Jerry Kennedy. Jerry Kennedy didn't come after him. So Israel was able to stay outside and pick him apart. The first Whitaker fight, Whitaker tried to come in, ran into the wood chipper, and got knocked out. Paulo Costa tried to be aggressive, got knocked out. Yoel Romero, they had a staring contest. Romero wouldn't commit. Everybody has a problem with Israel Adesanya because you got to deal with that fluidity. Like, you don't know exactly what's coming. He's a counter-striker by nature. He makes things very difficult for opponents who have a wrestling base or throw looping punches. He makes it very difficult for them. Yeah. But now he's staring in the mirror as somebody who is him, but like, like Akuma in Street Fighter. Stronger. <laughs> yeah, like, like angrier, meaner. Yes. Like he's looking at himself, but somebody is going to give him exactly what it takes to take, bring him out of his shell. Adesanya's in for a fight. He yeah. hasn't had a fight. And the Gaslam fight counts, but I think the Gaslam fight was a situation where Adesanya looked at Gaslam and was like, I can deal with this. Yeah. I'll go into the fire. I'm fine. And he took a lot of punishment in that fight, but he was okay. This fight is not one where Perea is going to sit down and just wait for Adesanya. He's coming after him. From round one to five, however long this fight lasts, this is the legacy-defining fight of Israel Adesanya's career. If he loses, and I mean this is no disrespect to any other middleweight champion in the division, he's basically Chris Weidman. What I mean by that is... Is he? Yes. He's the second most wins ever. But how many people talk about Chris Weidman today? When they talk about... It's Anderson Silva and everybody else. No, he's more Anderson than Chris Weidman. He's nowhere near No, no, no. If he loses. If he loses, he's still amongst the level of Anderson Silver. Not, he is here, not a Chris Weidman. Here's what happens. He's the second greatest middleweight ever, even if he loses. But it's, it's, a, it's a distance. What, what happens is this. If he gets mowed down by Alex Pereira, let's just say he gets beat up, people will immediately say, ah, maybe he wasn't that good to begin with. Because they were already criticizing the way he was winning fights. If Alex Pereira knocks his... Weidman did the same thing until he ran into Luke Rockhold. No, Weidman had like four fights. He beat Machida. Yeah. He beat Vitor Belfort. Okay. Uh, who else did he beat during this run? I mean, you know, he defended his title against Anderson Silva. Yeah. After knocking it, Anderson Silva. It was like Silva. four fights. Izzy's 12 straight. I, I it's know. It's a whole different level. But what I'm like saying craziness. is, what I'm saying is, you Herrera's, until proven otherwise, Weidman, because yeah, you can knock his block off once, then you got to run it back. But the point is, is that that is your kryptonite. The history tells us that you are 0-2 against this man. You haven't lost to anybody else. You're 0-2 against this man. And if he comes in there and beats you up, I'm not saying you don't, it's not a transitional champion or anything like that. But if you win, you're Anderson Silva. If you win, you, first of all, you tie his winning streak in the middleweight division. You are now Anderson Silva. If you lose, Alex Perez is now Anderson Silva. And the weird thing about this, the, the, in the, four fights, and the strangest thing about this is that if Alex Pereira wins, every other middleweight goes, I can beat him. Yeah. Alex Pereira is Holly Holm. More aggressive. He, no, in just in how it's constructed. Yeah. He is, our champion is so dominant. Compared to the rest of this division that we have, 
that we see his or his or hers kryptonite out there. Yep. And we're getting it. And you, I don't care how many fights you need. We signed you solely because you can beat them. Yep. And Holly was only signed because she could beat Ronda. And then it happened. Alex was only signed because he could beat his. Yeah. And he has all the tools. Like, this is. So did Holly. And that ended poorly for Ronda. Right. Exactly. But, but Ronda's still Ronda, by the way. Right. Is she? A little lusty. That man, the Nunez, knocked a little luster off. Like, who's the GOAT? Amanda Nunez, right? Yeah, the, the Nunez one knocked a lot of the luster yeah. off. If she would have just not come back, that's, that's she would have had a lot more. Adesanya, you know, he lost to Jan, which we've all kind of said, all right, fine, whatever. whatever. But you beat Romero, you beat Costa, you beat Ritiker twice, you beat Marvin Torrey twice, you beat Derek Brunson. Who am I missing? I'm missing somebody. I don't think it's everybody, right? Yeah. Oh, Jared Cannonier. You beat Jared Cannonier. But nobody looks at, aside from Whitaker, Cannoneer, Brunson, we're like, all right, they're just guys. It's not like the lightweight. Them, no. Yeah, it's not like the lightweight division. So Whitaker is the guy that you beat. But if Alex Perea mows you down, people are going to, the, the reason why I say Chris Weidman, and I'm just using him because I'm trying to find another middleweight, maybe somebody like uh, Rich Franklin, who yeah. is the one that got mowed down, he, they become an afterthought because what people start to say is, maybe he wasn't really that good. And that sucks, but that's how casual fans look at it. If he gets that's so crazy, if he gets blown up, because you can't say that about Anderson Silva just because Weidman caught him. No, but but the thing about Anderson Silva was he 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 was the the most dominant champion we had ever seen. He was the champion for two thousand five hundred and sixty seven days. Yeah, but he he also showed all right. There's some chinks in arm. So they thought Weidman could be the guy to solve the puzzle because they're like, eh, he almost lost to Chell Sonnen. Wyman's like a wildly athletic Chael Sonnen and super young and got powered. Yeah, but Adesanya's 32, right? Yeah, you know. Anderson Silva, like, destroyed everybody. And, that, you know, he had a few stinkers along the way, right? Like Damian Maya, for instance. But what happened was, is we learned very quick, if you push Anderson Silva up against the wall, he's going to beat you, right? Like, Vitor Belfort got kicked in the face. Yeah, it's He hard. learned the hard way. Yeah. You get super aggressive with Anderson, he'll fuck you up. Everybody that Israel Adesanya's fought has, like, they get hit and they go, ah, I don't want to do this. Alex Pereira is going to put the, gas, the foot on the gas from the opening bell and force Israel Adesanya to fight a fight that we have never seen him fight. Yeah. I think as he catches him. I think he does. I think he does, too, because when Pereira beat him, it was so long ago, and Izzy's now 32. Pereira's, I believe, 35. Pereira has been knocked out yeah, once. Yeah, Pereira's 35. Izzy, Izzy just turned 33. Izzy... There are people like, he's always in his head. Well, of course he's in his head. Like, Pereira lost more in kickboxing yeah, than Izzy. But, of course he's in his head. You lost to the man twice. You think he's not thinking about that every day of his life? Israel Adesanya knows his... It's the weirdest thing. His back is up against the wall, and he's the champion. Because he, he can't afford to lose. You can't... That man has your... If you lose again... I think they run it back. Maybe. But, yeah, I mean... If it's per- better if you don't lose. Yeah, if Alex Pereira destroys him, let's just say he knocks him out first or second round. They're probably going to move on to Whitaker. It's either Izzy or Whitaker because those, what, whoever it is, will headline in, and, 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 in Australia. And what I said earlier holds true. Somebody like Marvin Vittorio is like, I can beat Alex Pereira because I yep. can take him down. Yep. Alex Pereira's first MMA fight, he got submitted. He's never had to deal with anybody taking him down. No. And Izzy's not going to take him down. No, but Izzy can knock him down. He can and then it'd be a fun scram. But this is this is a glorified kickboxing match in between a fence instead of a ring. It's yeah. the same thing. 
All we're going to find out is how much has Israel Adesanya grown since that loss. Izzy was on with Ariel. He says, I'm excited for this fight. Ariel's like, what does that mean? He's like, I'm excited for it because I know something no one else knows. I think he knows something everyone else knows. Is that, you know what? I think you take this guy down. And you don't have to have great wrestling. You don't have to have great jujitsu. You got more than him. Yeah, but can you take him down? Like, I mean, he's a big, strong dude. Well, not even that. But like technique? How do you take him Oh, down? you got to go against the cage and pull him in. And, You're not and, shooting. Because you shoot for a double, he's kneeing you in the grill. It's, it's and over. it's night-night. Like, it's... <laughs> do not shoot on him. Adesanya being a counter-striker makes this very difficult. Because he sits back and he waits. He doesn't really come forward a lot. He waits for you to make a mistake and he capitalizes. You got to see more tricks in his bag. Right, but if you start coming forward, that's not like Israel Adesanya. And it could be very interesting if you're coming forward reaching for a takedown. If you get caught reaching, you can get fucked up. Yeah, no. So... But Anderson had tricks in his bag, right? Like, so yeah. Anderson could go and, like, his jiu-jitsu was always, like, next Well, that him. was the thing. Anderson always had jiu-jitsu. Always. We don't know what Izzy has at <laughs> he all. no clue outside of the strike. I, this fight is, is huge to me. For just all these reasons that I think that Alex Perea is going to have so much confidence because he's a sniper. Yeah. He's an aggressive sniper. And I sniper. can see the upset. It won't be. It won't really be an upset. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock. If, Al, if Alex Pereira beats him, it's kind of like Islam Makhachev beating Charles Oliveira. Yeah. Well, we saw this coming. Exactly. But I still think Izzy rises to the occasion. He has to. He has, he has, he has no choice. Yeah. Like when Anderson Silva struggled with Chael Sonnen, it was like a surprise. To everybody it's like, oh shit, it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be surprised. We know what Alex Pereira is coming to do. We know it. He knows it. Yep. And now you have to fight against it. And you've been a mixed martial artist, but all that shit goes out the window. This is a kickboxing match. This is those two fights continue. Izzy's job is to make sure it's not just a kickboxing match. That's going to be hard. I, but I'm, that's his job in this fight, is to make sure that, no, we're not at a distance all the time. No, I know how to control an octagon better than you. That's going to be tough. I know how to control the time in the round better than you. This ain't three minutes. It's five. I know how to drain your energy more. I know the tips and tricks in here better than you. And that's what he has to do. Because if he just lets it be a kickbox, stand at a distance, we just saw that. Alex, in his last fight, Strickland was like, oh, yeah, I got it. Boom, boom. I think I take him down. First round, looked fine. Second round, boop. Like, you can't let him get comfortable. No, you can't. You can't let him get comfortable, but you know he's going to be aggressive. So it's up to Adesanya to figure out how to turn that aggression against him. You're going to have to let Alex get a little bit overconfident, and you have to run him into something. But that's hard. But see, that's what made Floyd Mayweather great. And I always use Floyd Mayweather because people were bored of his fights too. But if you brought the fight to Floyd, he fought you back. Make you pay. Miguel Cotto brought the fight to Floyd. Like, if you are aggressive and he takes, and you, it's going to be up to Adesanya to hit Alex Perea hard enough to make him think twice about coming in. Floyd did that against Shane Mosley. Shane hit him, and he was like, you'll never do that shit again. Yeah. And it never happened again. I, I'm picking Adesanya to win because I believe that he's been training for this fight. He's been looking since his MMA career started. He knew it was coming. He knew this. Yeah. The moment that Alex Perez showed up on the scene, the city kickboxing team was like, we got to get ready for that motherfucker. Yeah. He's coming. He's going to beat everybody else. Yep. They're going to fast track him to you because he, he doesn't have to beat Robert Whitaker. He doesn't have to beat Porcina. He's just looking at you. That's it. We knew he was coming. You know he's coming. And That's some real Dragon Ball Z animation. Yeah, it's like, like, oh, man. Like, you, 
you know. You like, see him in like the shadow, like with the yeah. sun setting in the distance. He's like, he coming for me. No freezes coming. Yeah, it's like he coming for me. Yeah. We didn't, yeah. know, we didn't need Krillin and Piccolo to fight him. No, first. everybody else moves we, out the way. We know he's coming. Yeah, like, we know. Him fucking up Krillin for like four episodes is just like an appetizer. We know he's coming. We know he's coming. And Goku's waiting. But this legacy defines. Like, he has to win this fight. It's going to be good. It's, it's The story behind it makes it better. So I'm saying this, this card is chock full of stories. Speaking of stories, we both are picking uh, Alessandro to win. You see Sean O'Malley, what he's talking about this week? Yeah, he wants an interim title shot. Sean O'Malley says, I want an interim title fight against Cheeto Vera. Uh, it's funny because he goes, yeah, you know, Cheeto's beat a lot of good people. He beat Frankie Edgar. He beat, sorry, naming people. You know who he didn't name? Himself. <laughs> he doesn't believe he lost that fight. <laughs> this man did not even, he said he beat a lot of good people. Motherfucker, he beat you. He says he's undefeated. He says that it's the biggest fight that could be made outside of Aljamain Sterling. If Aljamain Sterling wants to sit, it should be for an interim title. One, I'm all right with that. I disagree. I don't think this should be for an interim title. Why? Uh, I mean, I'm okay with them fighting. I don't care if you put a fake belt on him. Well, I know what he's doing, right? It shouldn't be for an interim title because we have the champ. He's not hurt. He's just going to fight next year. Actually, he's going to fight when the UFC tells him to fight. Yeah. Aljamain can say, I'm not fighting until the middle of next year. But if Dana was like, you're fighting fucking May. You're yeah. going to fight in May. You're fighting April. You're going to fight in April. They'll probably fight April, wherever right. that card is. But if, if that's Vegas the, or New York or whatever. If that's the case, what Sean O'Malley is basically doing is trying to talk himself into a main event. Because if he fights Cheeto Vera for an interim title, it might end up being a main event to test the water on his pay-per-view yeah. drawing power. My man wants some PPV points. He knows exactly what he's doing. Not mad at it. I'm not mad at it either. Like, I get what he's doing. It's I don't know. Tough ad- fight for five Yeah, against Cheeto. But you know who, who we forgot? Marab. Marab's the number two guy. Him. Nobody's talking about him. And you can't give Marab... Uh, interim fight. No, because it's his teammate. Because the champ won't fight. Him. Yeah, they said, we're not fighting. No. So, Mar- and Marab's just going to clear out everybody else. O'Malley should wait and Cheeto and Marab should fight. Well, O'Malley's not going to wait. He's made it clear, like, it, I'm ready to fight. I think I'm going to be ready to fight in March. No, yeah, I, I think he'll fight March and April and I think they they get Funk Master out. They, they're going to try to figure something out. Yeah. But O'Malley's like, I had to talk to the UFC and figure it out, but I was like, this is smart, man. Like, the UFC knows you draw. And if you do it for interim title fight, then they know they could put it on a pay-per-view. And you can get, maybe you can get points. You'll negotiate to get points out of that pay-per-view. Yep. He knows exactly what he's doing. Smart business guy. Right. And Aljamain's saying, like, because guess what? The UFC don't really like you, Aljo. <laughs> like, they O'Malley like you. making more than you. Yeah. Already, off rip. So you just got to eat that. Like, yeah. if you wait in to think you're going to make more. It ain't happening. <laughs> then this kid in a fight, then. He, like, nothing is work. Like, Aljo's the champion, but he still hasn't earned the respect of his peers that don't like him. Yeah. Beating TJ Dillashaw. Oh, you beat a one-armed Dillashaw. All right. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Uh, yeah, it stinks. Oh, you know, you got the easy way out against Jan. Okay. Then you beat him, and then people are like, ah, well, like, stop it. was it. close. They were like, oh, Jan, I've heard Jan should have won that fight. Yeah, okay, whatever. Oh, he should have won the O'Malley fight. He should have. But he they're like, well, he lost twice. Jan, <laughs> DC was like, Jan's thinking about hanging it up or going to a different promoter. Like, all right. He doesn't like the judges. I mean, Whatever. yeah. Don't let it get to the judges. Yeah, stop. Like, it sucks. I thought you should have beat O'Malley. I thought he won. But it is what it is. You yeah. lost the fight. Don't let it get there. O'Malley's a smart guy, man. I think we're going to see him in March and he might talk himself into a pay-per-view fight in a headlining spot. I'm not mad at it. The kid looks like he could sell. Go out there and win. Yeah. Well, like, really win. He's going to have to win. Uh, back to UFC 281. What's the fight of the night on this card? 
Izzy Pereira. I think Izzy knocks him out. I think that becomes fight of the night. Fight of the night or is that performance of the night? Uh, oh, you're talking about like knockout, dragout fight? Yeah, fight of the night. Yeah. So they're giving like, out their bonuses because as soon as it was booked, everybody was like, Poirier Chandler is going, is like easily running away with fight of the night. That's one of those like red herrings to me. Where it could be and it should be. It might not be. Um, give me Blanchfield McCain. I do not think that'll be a fight. Of the see night. some blood in that one. I think Blanchfield might mow her down. I think Pereira and Adesanya is going to be fight of the night because I think Adesanya is going to be forced to fight a fight that he's been Izzy waiting said for. He said he wants to turn into a horror movie. He sees blood. He sees- if if Pereira lands and Adesanya doesn't go down, we know we're in for a fight. Yeah. So I think this could be fight of the night. Whereas I think. Chandler and Poirier will be a great fight, but the stakes are higher in the main event and it's five rounds and it's a kickboxing match. I think Chandler Poirier at some point hits the mat. This fight never hits the mat. No. And if it ends up anything oh, like if it ends up anything like Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum with two kickboxers, it's gonna be a lot of oohs and ahs, swollen faces. Lives might be changed in this fight. I think Izzy knocks him out, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Izzy sub him. No. Uh, I don't know. Knock him to the ground, get a rear naked. I, I would, I, I, would I would be surprised if we've never, again, Adesanya and, and Perea have zero takedowns. No, no, I just think he knocks. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying they have zero takedowns. They have like no ground control between the two of them because yeah. they never let a fight hit the ground. No. They're never in somebody's guard. They've been, Adesanya's been on his back, but he's never like been the aggressor. No. So this fight could be five rounds just them beating the piss out of each other. It, I think it'll be five of the night. I just think there's, there's too much on the line. I think Adesanya's heart is too big unless Pereira just knocks him dead. It's possible. Which, that's what I'm saying. I have no scary, idea. Scary I have power. no idea what's going to happen. And I take those, those two kickboxing and Glory of Heroes fights into account because, yeah, he did knock you out. He's the only person to ever knock out Adesanya. The only person. That's, that's crazy. It's just hard to not, knock someone out over and over again. That's, that's what goes through my mind. It's like we've seen people knocked out. We've seen trilogies. Yeah. We've seen four different fights. It's hard to knock out someone twice. It is. That's like Tyson Fury, Wilder shit. Like, it's very hard to just knock someone out again. Because usually it's like, fool me once. Shame on, like, you're not going to catch me again with the same shit. So, it's tough. I, you got elbows, knees. You got, man, they got I a see, lot of tools. Yeah, I see, I see Izzy kick him in the fucking head. I don't... It's going to be one hell of a fight. It, it, it wow. really is. So that, that's going to be my pick for fire tonight. No, I can't wait. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds. But I'm being told, our guest is here, Carla Esparza, Cookie Monster, UFC strawweight champion. So you guys don't go anywhere. Taking a quick break when we come back, talking to Carla Esparza. All right, everybody, welcome back. Just that quick, as promised, we are joined today with our guest, the champ, the cookie monster, Carla Esparza, UFC 281, going down New York City, MSG. Carla, thank you for taking time out of what I'm sure is a huge and busy fight week to join us. We appreciate it. First and foremost, how are you feeling coming into this fight? I am feeling great. I've had a great fight camp. Um, it's awesome to be here in New York. 
yeah, everything's uh, everything's on on track. So you're one of the rare cases, I feel, where you're a champion twice, but a good amount of time in between. So you you're now preparing for this fight, but you've done this before. You've gotten the belt before. You've defended the belt before. How is this time different than when you first had the title? Because it was a lot earlier in not only your career, but in the, the grand scope of the UFC and the women's division in the UFC. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I feel like I'm personally in a much better place. Um, just I think I'm a completely different fighter than I was eight years ago, but... Uh, just mentally going into this fight, um, you know, with a little bit more more time to kind of rest in between and and recover and um, get back. I, I feel like I'm in a better place going into this fight. And, uh, you know, it's just exciting to be doing it here at Madison Square Garden. You know what I'm going to ask you, because every single person who has talked to you has asked this question about people doubting you heading into this fight. How sick of you are you... Uh, does it motivate you still or is it to the point where it's like, please shut up and let me fight? Because crazier things have happened in MMA. We've seen huge underdogs. As a matter of fact, you're the biggest underdog on the main card. And you happen to be the champion. But is it time to just tell people to shut up or do you get motivated by this still? You know, I would say if anything, it motivates me. But um, I'd probably just say it kind of has no bearing on the outcome. If if what people thought and the odds made a difference, I wouldn't be champion right now. That is true. Cause I believe it feels like you've been the underdog. You're there. Are a lot of people say I've been the underdog my entire career, but they've been the favorite a lot yeah. and they just use it to, to hype themselves up. But you've legitimately been the underdog your entire career. What is that like? Do you yearn for the one day that you're like, Oh, look, I'm the favorite. Everybody finally believes in me. Or is it okay for people to still doubt you? It's okay for people to doubt me because it's that much cooler when I win. And it's just kind of like, I, I, I have like this secret, you know, this belief in myself and this kind of secret that nobody knows about, you know, and it's just like, I know like people, you know, have doubt and I'm just like, okay, that's okay. Like I, I know what's going to happen. And, you know, sure enough, um, win after win, it's uh, continued even even through being the underdog. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really bother me. Like I even ran into a fan today when we were uh, checking out the the fight poster at Madison Square or I mean at Times Square and someone was like, Oh, you got a tough matchup ahead of you. I'm like, Well, she has a tough matchup <laughs> against her too, so that's okay. When and we'll dive right into that, right? Like so your fight against Rose, people counted you out, came through, you won the title back. And then now we look at Wei Li Zhang, who has so many different skills. But do you feel like there's an area, specifically maybe your wrestling, where people aren't giving you enough credit in terms of you being better in that aspect than her? And she's really having to worry about that aspect of your game. Yeah, most definitely. I don't think anything can take away from, you know, years of wrestling. I mean, I think it's, it's a different sport. You know, it, it is so uh, intense and it's such a grind that I think even learning it like on the side is, is different than having gone through the experience of wrestling in high school and college. Um, not to take away from her grappling because she's gotten a lot better, but I just feel like there's definitely um, something different that comes with the wrestling experience. I want to pivot away from the fight just for a second. You got married and you had your title. 
some people don't take the title everywhere, right? Well, some people, like Israel Adesanya says he purposely left his title at home because he, he feels like it's not necessary. But you got married with it. What does the title mean to you? Because it means different things to different people. I mean, I, I think it means what, what people would think. It's just an accumulation of all my hard work and all the hard work that my team um, and my coaches and all my supporters have helped me get to like, it's just a symbol of the accumulation of like everything that I've put into it. Like it's my life's work. So I'm so proud of it. And it was really cool to wear it. Uh, I mean, as my something new at my wedding, I, I really don't think you can get a better something new than that. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me ask about that too. Cause what did your, did your husband know that you were bringing that as your something new? Uh, yeah, he did because like uh, everyone, you know, a, a bunch of people when they interviewed me, they kind of asked me about it. Like, if you win the belt, are you going to wear this as your something new? And I, I, I just said, I started saying yes, and I, I was kind of stuck with it at that point, and I'm glad that it worked out. So you committed to it, and you had to go through with it basically because you had already said yes. So it, there was no, there was no second guessing it at that point. No turning back after that. <laughs> I love it. Listen, love it. it looked great. Amazing accessory. Uh, I'm going to give you a hard question then. It's like choosing between your children. But now that you have won two belts, they look different, two belts, which moment was more special for you? Was it your first one? I, or was it this last one? I wish I could say I love my first baby or my second ba baby equally, but um, they both just mean something so special in different ways. They're a symbol of, you know, something different. Like both of them took so much hard work and was such a journey to get to them. But my first one was just amazing because it was making history. It was being the first woman um, in the strawweight division to be champion. And, you know, nothing can ever take that away. There's only one first. Um, but, you know, having lost and kind of, you know, fallen, um, you know, and lost that belt. Uh, and you know, had a few losses, like building my way back up, you know, kind of means so much because, you know, it just shows, it's like, it, it shows that no matter how far you fall and like, you can work your way back up, you know, you can dust yourself off and keep working hard and good things will still come. And, you know, and I was able to get the belt back, which, you know, I always believed that I could, even if others didn't. Yeah, I want to ask about that, like getting the belt back. And as, as Kel mentioned to start this off, it had been so many years. Was there ever a point where you're like, I'm not sure I'm going to get another crack at this title? Or did you like, was there any doubt at any point during this run that you were like, I'm not sure I'm going to get that opportunity again? You know, coming off like two losses for the first time in my career, I definitely wasn't, it wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. Like that belt is mine. <laughs> You know, but win after win, I was just gaining more and more momentum. And, um, you know, I felt when it started getting closer that it was my destiny to win that belt. Um, and just kind of the way everything went down, you know, like me fighting Rose after all these years and, you know, like us starting the division and, you know, still being here at the top. Like it just felt like it was meant to be for me. And, and I had confidence that I was going to win the belt. This is kind of an odd question, but we've seen this with several champions. What goes through your mind or, or do you react to it at all? Or do you see these things when people criticize how you won the belt or your fight or because it's not a knockout performance, they kind of knock the, your, the performance you put on against Rose to win this title? 
are these things that you hear chirping that you hear does that have any basis for you does that motivate you maybe to put on a better performance this time or is it just something you ignore because you know how much hard work went into it I can't say that it, it doesn't bother me. Everyone wants to put on a good performance and be an exciting fighter. And, you know, obviously I've won bonuses in my career. I've had a lot of exciting fights, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen every time. And, um, you know, it definitely, I think it wasn't just one-sided. It wasn't me or her completely. Um, so, I mean, it, it definitely sucks to hear that. And it took away a little bit from it. But at the end of the day, I mean, how can I complain? I'm the UFC champion of the world. So hopefully I can have a a better win this time, but that's definitely the goal for this fight. And just to follow up real quick, do you, do you think that's somewhat like familiarity, even though it was like seven years difference, but you guys had been in the octagon before. Was it one of those things where it's like, no, I know your tricks. I'm not falling for that. And then she's looking at you like, oh, you're not putting me in this position. So like it just led to what type of fight it was because you guys have been in the octagon before and fought before, do you feel like that kind of led to how the fight played out? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I don't believe Rose has ever been finished outside of our fight, uh, our first fight. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, as, as much of, you know, she's grown as a fighter and she's, you know, has so much grit and, you know, she's um, come so far. Like, I, I'm sure, like, it's still in people's head, you know, especially if they've felt you and they know, you know, what they're dealing with. Um, and, but I know that, you know, she grew a lot just as I did because I know how much I've grown in this last seven, eight years. So I, I know she has too, or she wouldn't be where she was. Let me ask you about Zane real quick, because, you know, when she burst on the scene, she mowed down Jessica Andrade in a performance that a lot of people, were, it was eye opening for that, for a lot of people, but she's also been knocked out by Rose. MMA math doesn't make any sense. A lot of people say A fighter beats B fighter. It do- the shit doesn't matter. But when you've watched her through her career, when did she first land on your radar? And how long have you been plotting? Because eventually you had to figure you were going to cross paths at some point with or without the title. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I definitely had the opportunity to see her fight in Las Vegas versus Tisha Torres. And I know that Tisha is really strong and this girl just seemed to like really outsize her and, and be very powerful. Um, I actually got to see her cause my manager was, uh, my manager, Brian Butler was managing her at the time. So I definitely took notice of her, uh, back then. So, and since then she's kind of seemed to like really explode on the seat with some, uh, really big finishes. And did you start, when do you start game planning for an opponent? Because sometimes you watch somebody and, and, you know, you may not get ready to fight them right now, but then you start looking at them and start thinking, okay, I see things. Because you're a fighter. You see things that we clearly don't see in the cage, and your team does as well. But when did this start going through the motions of how I'm going to put the, and execute a game plan against this opponent? You know, when I was younger in my career, I used to start studying and obsessing, like, a lot early, earlier, pretty much as soon as I found out about the fight. But, you know, I've known about this fight, you know, basically shortly after I won my title in um, no, in May. So I, I didn't start studying um, this fight until like a month ago. And I usually wait longer because I, I, I've learned to focus more on myself and my growth and um, filling my holes as a fighter. And, you know, the specifics of my opponent is just you know, like a little, a little something extra. But at the end of the day, I'm more worried about me than I am about somebody else. 
a couple more questions before we let you get out of here and focus on this fight. But someone I wanted to ask you about is because you, you had crossed paths before. I believe it's your, your last time. It was your last loss before you went on this amazing winning streak. Tatiana Suarez, who's been out of the octagon for like three years. You've shared the octagon with her. When you see a journey like that and unfortunate and kind of cut off and disturbed due to injuries, but you've taken a different path to the title. When you see someone kind of trip and, and have to overcome things like she will have to do if she wants to come back and facing her before, what is going through your mind? Or is there anything where maybe you two cross paths where you're like, man, you are really good. And do you see her coming back to that level? Yeah. So I've known Tatiana since high school. Uh, we wrestled on the same circuit. Um, we were in the same area. So I've known her for a long time and she's always been a stud in the wrestling scene. I mean, she's a wrestling world champion. Um, and I think would have been an Olympic champion had she not gotten, you know, sick and gotten cancer. So, I mean, she's definitely always been a stud. And, um, you know, I, I obviously faced her in the octagon and, and she beat me um, pretty decisively. So, uh, you know, I definitely think she had the potential to do great things and, and still does. But it's definitely hard mentally and physically to come back from injuries like that. Um, so, I mean, I just kind of, I guess, wish her the best, um, you know, and it's, you know, what's happened to her and, you know, a lot of other athletes in this sport there, you know, injuries are a huge deal. And that's actually something I've, I've spent like a lot of time every single day, I'm foam rolling and stretching for over an hour before every training session, I'm going to, you know, OC fight doc to get like treatment before little injuries turn into big injuries. I go three to five times a week in camp. I'm icing, I'm taking recovery baths every single day. So because of things like this and things that I've seen, like with a lot of athletes injuries, I've taken so much time to, to, um, to work on injury prevention. My last question to you is, um, Joanna Njacek is retired and she was finally removed from the UFC roster. And that was the woman that beat you for the title. But when you see that she's retired and you're still here, what does that say about, you know, your preparation, your drive? I'm not trying to take anything away from Joanna's journey. But her time was up. Some fighters just get better with age, and they age like fine wine, like they say. I know it's a really corny phrase, but everybody says it. Do you feel like you've aged like fine wine? And, and since that loss, I know you mentioned you've gotten better, but is there truly something to you in your experience and how you've taken care of yourself that's added to your longevity and the reason why you're still here today? Most definitely. I've definitely taken so much uh, care, time, and attention to taking care of my body, um, making smart decisions about how, you know, how much I'm spar sparring my training partners, just everything. Um, you know, and as far as Joanna goes, I mean, you know, she took a couple of years off, I think waiting for an opportunity like the title and, you know, this sport can definitely pass you up really quick. It, it take it's takes a big toll on your body. And I think you kind of got to just stay active. And if you sit out for too long, you know, it kind of, uh, you can get lost in it. And, you know, there's always these younger up and young up and coming, you know, females and athletes that are coming to take our place. So you definitely got to stay sharp and um, just keep your keep your eye on the prize in this, in this game. My last question for you is you mentioned it. You're the first ever champion in this division. You're a champion now. How 
are you proud of the journey that the entire division, all the women in the UFC, have made since you first captured the title, since you first started in MMA, before women were even in the UFC? The, just the progression of women in mixed martial arts. What are your thoughts on that? And where do you see it going over the next 10 years due to how much growth there's been already? Yeah, it's just been incredible seeing like the growth of the division since since all the girls on Tough basically started in the UFC. Um, it's been really great kind of just seeing how much it all, like how many young faces are coming in, how good it's gotten, how much attention the strawweight division and all the women's divisions have gotten. It's It's been really cool. You know, you see that not only in the UFC, but you see that outside of the UFC and martial arts schools and, you know, whether it's jujitsu or Muay Thai, you know, seeing women in martial arts is, is, it's not like a, Ooh, look, there's a girl in there now. Now it's become a normal thing. And that's really cool for me to see. And I think the UFC um, and women's MMA in general has, has a lot of room to grow. And I, and I know that just because I've seen women's wrestling go from here to here in just a few years since I was wrestling and it's, you know, even now there's more women's college wrestling team teams and there are men's, I, I believe. So, you know, it just goes to show it's uh, it's been one of the fastest growing sports. And I think that women's MMA is going to be the same. No, that's great. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's great to have you on the show and speak with you so much knowledge and again, a Hall of Fame career. I think it's easy to say already, but you're adding to it. So it's amazing to watch. Thank you so much. Carla Esparza, everyone. Great. Best of luck to you this weekend in New York. Can't wait to watch the fight. We appreciate you so much. Cool. Thank you, guys. Great talking to you. Thank you. All right. It was amazing to have Carla on with us today. We appreciate you all for listening. As always, can't wait to see those fights. UFC 281 going down on Saturday from New York. But right now... It's the end of the show, so you guys know what to do. Follow us on all social media platforms at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our YouTube, The Corner Podcast, where you can see this and a ton of other interviews on there. You guys enjoy it. We have boxing and pro wrestling still to come later this week. Tons of shows, a lot of stuff going on there. For myself, the old man Andreas Hale, everyone here in Blue Wire Studios in the Wind Resort, we're out. Peace. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com